Good morning, Crossroads family. So glad to have you joining us, worshiping there online, wherever you are around the world. Thanks for tuning in today. We're going to get started with our worship in just a few minutes, just a few announcements I want to remind you of. Hopefully, this week you got this in the mail. This is our September calendar. And good news, if you didn't notice, we are going to be regathering in our before COVID schedule. We call that BC, you guys, before COVID. <laughs> On September the 13th, can I get a witness? Hallelujah, hallelujah, yay. Small groups will be gathering at 9.15 and then worship at 10.30. So we are excited about that. We're going to continue to, to uh, practice being safe and uh, sanitized and uh, doing a good job at that with our children and really all throughout the church. So if you've been anticipating coming back, that would be a great Sunday for you to to come and join us right here in person at the church. Between now and then, coming up on September the 6th, we have our ice cream fellowship that evening, and we're going to be watching a short film, one of the episodes of The Chosen. Looking forward to that. And then the next Sunday, our deaf ministry. Our women are going to be meeting in September. Our guys are going to be meeting in October. A lot of awesome things coming up. So I hope you'll check out the website or uh, check the letter that you got this week in the mail. Let's pray together as we prepare our hearts for worship today. Lord, thank you so much for our church family. We are so grateful. We're so grateful for the, the power of fellowship, the power of what happens when the body of Christ works together. And Lord, I thank you so much for each and every person that's a part of our church family. Even those that have been uh, attending and being a part in the last few weeks, we're so grateful for that. And so, Lord, I pray today as we, as we think a little bit about what it means to follow you and being a disciple, that you would remind us how much you love us and how you see us, Lord, as children of the Most High God. You're our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father, our Daddy that we can run to and cast our cares upon. Lord, thank you for that today. Would you encourage us and remind us how much you love us and how you see us today? In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing today, we invite you to sing right along with us. We're going to be singing Who You Say I Am, and then we're going to be singing a wonderful hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. Sing right along with us as we worship today. Child of God. 
So glad you could tune in and join us this morning. We've been talking about the last few weeks, a couple of words that I think are very interesting in the Bible to kind of get us uh, acclimated, Lord willing, to where God may want us to go as the year ends and we start 2021. Hard to believe. I'm ready for it. I know you probably are ready for a new year too, ready to turn the, the calendar off of 2020. But God's in control he has some things for us to do. But we've been talking in the last few weeks about some words. One of those words is kingdom. We've talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And we've talked about us being kingdom-minded uh, and what that really means, that I am uh, a subject, King Jesus. I'm subject to King Jesus. I live in his kingdom, and so he is my ruler. And we talked about how there are some similarities between the earthly kingdom and the kingdom of God. And then last week we talked about because we are kingdom-focused or kingdom-minded, then we become harvest-focused. Our heart changes. It tunes into the things of God, and we begin to see that the field, as Jesus told the disciples, the field is white, uh, the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to, harvest to send out laborers into his field. And that is you and I. That's where we come in as disciples. But have you ever wondered... What really is a disciple? If you had to define a disciple, how would you define it? Let's say you had to explain it to an alien who came to the planet, and you had to explain what being a disciple of Christ was. What words would you choose? I say alien. There are a lot of people that aren't from outside of this world. They're from here, right here on earth. They're fellow uh, Americans and maybe from other parts of the world, but they live here on planet Earth, right? Uh, but they don't understand a lot of the Christian lingo that we use in the church. So try to try to describe for them what being a disciple is. Oftentimes we use descriptions that don't make sense. So how would you define or describe to someone who did not know Christ or doesn't know Christ what following a king who's not here on the Earth physically how would you describe being a disciple? Well, that's what I want us to talk about over these next couple of weeks. And the scripture shows us uh, two or three different ways, two or three different what I'll call lenses, glasses that we can put on to help us define what being a disciple really is. And the first one I want us to look at today, and that is really about 
um, the attitude or identity or position of a, a disciple. Um, you know, we don't talk about this a lot. Uh, we've talked about it some, um, but as a child of God, uh, I am holy, I'm blameless, I'm beyond reproach. Uh, I am a child of God if I've surrendered my life to him. All those are part of my identity as being a disciple, as being a follower of Jesus. And so as you think about being a disciple, the first thing that I want us to talk about this week is kind of that uh, B, B-E, being a disciple. Um, being a disciple, if you truly have been born again, if you've come to know Jesus, if you're following him, is much like my kids are just being. They are, they are my children because of my blood. They've been birthed by my wife. You know, we, we uh, together created them. Um, and so as you think about that, in the same sense, if we have been born again and we're children of God, that is the kind of being that comes along with being a disciple. Now, we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks some things that we do if we're a disciple, some ways that we think if we're a disciple, but there's some kind of, th- sometimes there's just things that we, uh, that we are by nature being a, a, a Christian, a true Christian, a follower of Jesus, uh, that just happen. Uh, they're a part of the makeup of who we are when we become a Christian and, and we become a disciple of Jesus. Uh, there are attitudes that we have. Uh, Jesus talked about a lot of these in the B attitudes. In the book of Matthew, he talked about um, what some of those attitudes should be for someone who is a Christ follower. And so these are some kind of identities or some key truths, uh, some things that we should do uh, or some things that we are uh, when we think about being a disciple. So I just want to share some of these with you. Some of these attitudes, you you have talked about this in small group, uh, hopefully, and uh, so some of this will be refresher, but there's also some new things. And the passage that I want us to look at that you may have looked at very briefly is John chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible, grab it and tune into John chapter 4. Some of you know this story. It's a woman, and she comes to get water at the well in the heat of the day. We find out, if you read the whole chapter and you get to know the background on this lady, we find out that she came to the well in the heat of the day because she didn't want to be recognized. She was hoping not to run into anybody because she didn't have a great reputation. But she comes to the well uh, in the heat of the day. She gets there, and little does she know, she runs into Jesus. And he's waiting. It's not by accident. He knew she was going to be there. And he asked her a very important question. I actually didn't really ask her. He really commanded her, uh, give me a drink. And so they're at this well. He says, give me a drink, because the disciples were with him originally, but they had gone away into the town to get some food. And so the Samaritan woman says to him, how is it that you being a Jew... And me being a Samaritan, you're asking me for a drink because Jews and Samaritans didn't have, uh, you, th- you think race relations is new in 2020? No, it's not. It's not. It's been here since the days of the Bible. It's been here for years and years. Jews and Samaritans did not get along very well. And so Jesus answers her and says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So they get to th- this point, they have this discussion She says, you don't have anything to draw water with. What's this water you're talking about? They start this discussion, and Jesus says to her something very, very powerful. And this is the part that I want to kind of lock in on here this morning for just a little bit to get you to think about. Here's what he says to her. 
everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst out of the water that I give him, but will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So one of the key attitudes that we should have as a disciple is receiving. Now, i got to be honest, that I'm not good at receiving. Some of you maybe aren't good at receiving. Uh, I don't receive compliments well. I don't receive criticism well either, but I don't receive, I actually receive criticism better than compliments. I don't receive compliments well. I don't receive gifts well because I do like to give. I do like to give. I'm a giver. I do like to give. But one of the characteristics, the key components of being a disciple is receiving. And it's almost, it's somewhat passive, but there is an active part in it. It's like salvation. Jesus offers us a free gift, and we don't do anything to earn the gift, true, but we do have to have an act of receiving it. And so receiving it is an act itself. Not a big act, but it's an act nonetheless of receiving the gift of salvation from Jesus. And Jesus is saying to this lady, receive the gift of eternal life, the gift of living water that will be in you flowing and and everlasting. And so one of the things for us as a disciple is to be receiving. A grateful recipient. My notes here, I kind of jotted some notes of the grace and the life of Jesus Christ. That should be a key attitude. Now, there are a lot of other attitudes. We won't get to look at these today. Hopefully, you'll talk about these, or you did talk about these in your small group. Uh, The attitude of death. Paul talked a lot about that. Uh, For I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, therefore I live, not I live, but Christ lives within me. Galatians 2.20 talks about that. There's another key attitude of investing. A disciple will invest in lost people. A disciple will invest resources in the kingdom of God. That should be an attitude, an attitude of following, an attitude of wanting to do life with Jesus. All those are important, and we talk about those a a fair amount. But I wanted to kind of just land on this one for just a few minutes because uh, we don't often talk about just uh, resting, just being, just receiving. Everything that Jesus has that he wants to give to us because we're his children We are a recipient of those things. James says it this way, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights up above. So those things that God wants for us to have, most of them are things that we don't do anything to earn or deserve. They're given as free gifts. It's up to us to receive them. They're spiritual gifts that we're given. Paul talks about in Corinthians There are a lot of things that we are given and there's not a big act on our part other than the act of receiving. So I jotted down a couple of questions for us to think about today in kind of a little different format we are uh, for the next couple of weeks. What does that look like? You think about someone in your life or maybe yourself If you're a recipient of the grace and life of Jesus Christ, what does that look like? Because that's part of being a disciple. What does it look like? What things come up in the conversation of a person who lives with that kind of attitude? 
I think about some people even in our church family that I talk to from time to time or I'll see on Wednesday morning Bible study or Sunday or maybe online or we connect through the week and I'll often hear some of these people talk about how faithful God is and how grateful they are and how good God is and part of their attitude is they're bragging on the gifts that God has given us of his goodness and his kindness and all the things that he's praiseworthy of is natural characteristics that make him praiseworthy. Not the things that he does for us, but just natural attributes of his that, that because we're his children, we receive some of those same blessings just because of who he is. You know, a lot of the friendships that I've had over the years and a lot of the the connections, if you will, I've been able to make in my lifetime have been, uh, not all, but some have been a direct result of my family my mom my dad oh you're jack eason's uh you know you're you must uh, you're bill eason's son or diane eason's son so i'm just receiving the reputation um the goodness the characteristics that go with being connected to them as my parents the same is true for us as children of God. We are receiving, because of our connectedness to God as our Heavenly Father, we're receiving some of those same attributes. And sometimes that may be, at least for me, which is why I wanted to, to land on this one this morning, that may be the hardest part of uh, being a disciple for me, is receiving. And yet that is a part, according to God's word, that's a part of our being a disciple. Having the visible attitude, which is couched in, those attitudes are birthed in the result of knowing who our identity is in Jesus. That we are holy, blameless, beyond reproach. We're a son of the Most High God, or a daughter of the Most High God. We're children of the King. And, you know, there are some maybe denominations that... that they talk about that a lot, and they don't talk about these other things so much like there are some things for us as a disciple that God intends for us to do. And we'll talk about those next week. But there also are some, some things that God just intends for us to, to receive because He is our Father and we are His children. So there's a balance. And looking through all the lenses, all the sets of glasses of understanding, what does it mean to be a disciple? So again, I ask the question, define for me and for yourself somebody asks you, what does it mean to be a disciple? We need to know personally, we need to know corporately as a church body, how we define what that looks like so that we will know where we are in the process of becoming a disciple and making disciples for Jesus. Otherwise, how do we know if we're being fruitful or accomplishing the things that God's intended us to accomplish? It's not just, it's not just attending We'll talk about this next week. It's not just attending services and reading our Bible and prayer. That is a part of it. That's kind of some of the doing that we'll talk about. Those things are important. But it is also receiving the identity uh, that God has given us. And here's where we have to be really careful, especially those of us who are uh, pastoral uh, you know, ministers and paid and we're on church staff is we can very easily think that we are being a disciple because of our position on a church staff, our position in leadership for those of you who are serving, and that is a part of the doing, which is good. I'm not saying don't serve, 
but we can mistakenly think that because of our position of serving that we are being a disciple. Maybe, maybe not. Our position because of who we are connected to because of who God is through his son Jesus and because of our position and identity, that is how we receive the being part of being a disciple, if that makes sense. I hope it does because this is important. So how would you define disciple? And if you were to give an example, let's say of a choice that someone who lives in this attitude might make, what kind of example could you give? I was thinking about it a week or so ago. I think it was last week. Let me see if I can turn to it. Pastor Jim mentioned in our Wednesday morning Bible study uh, in Hebrews, he was talking about Moses in that great chapter 11 of Hebrews where we hear about the, uh, the, the hall of faith, all the people by faith, by faith. Abraham did this by faith. You know, all these people did this by faith. And then he talked about Moses, and here's an attitude when he when he was reading this scripture, verse two, us, I thought that is an attitude of a disciple that's being a disciple. Just in the natural flow of who they are because of their identity and their attitude, and their being a disciple. And, and here's what is what, what is true of Moses, and the writer of Hebrews says this. Um by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, which he could have had a lot of great accolades and great uh, notoriety and great connectedness to Pharaoh if he, had, if he had chosen that route. But he didn't. Verse 25, Hebrews 11 says this, but he chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Here it is, verse 26. This is a key attitude of a disciple. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he, Moses, was looking to the reward. So one of the key attitudes, when Pastor Jim said this, I kind of mentally just made a note. One of the key attitudes of Moses was it shows that he was a disciple of God Jesus hadn't come yet, but a disciple, nonetheless, of God, trying to be a Christ follower or a God follower with his life, living and being who Jesus, who God wanted him to be. Uh, He put God first. His attitude was God first. Rather, uh, considering the reproach of Christ greater. He thought, "If if if I don't... If I don't do what God wants me to do, I'm going to bring reproach. I'm going to get judgment cast upon me. That is so much greater than all the passing pleasures of sin and all the richest treasures of Egypt. So, you know, nowadays the attitude for a lot of people in our world is they don't want to put off, uh, you know, they want pleasure now. They don't want to delay delay gratification, no. Delayed gratification is a great attitude of a disciple in so many areas. It's putting what God wants for us first, knowing that there may be a delayed reward, but we would be honoring Christ in the process. I think about some of our young people and how the world tries to get them to succumb to peer pressure and sexual temptation and to lure them into things outside of the timeline that God has set up for us to enjoy life and and intimacy and all those things the way he intended 
The world pressures us into doing that. So a key attitude of a disciple who's maybe a younger single person might be, I'm delaying the gratification uh, that I could have now, that sin that I could enjoy now. I'm delaying that later. That's my attitude. I'm delaying that later in order to bring honor and glory to Christ through my life as a disciple. Great attitude. Great attitude. And so those are some truths, some key truths that we receive as a disciple of Jesus. Does that make sense? So there's some receiving, there's some doing. Even in what I just described, there's some things that we do or we, we maybe don't do. But there's also some receiving, our attitudes, our identities, our identity, identities for each of us collectively um, as a disciple. So that is one of the most important key attitudes. And these attitudes will help us as we talk about these things today and then next week we will talk about okay what that's that's great but as we talk about um mindset and and uh doing uh what does it look like for a disciple to be what are we what are we doing as a disciple what should we be doing as a disciple what should we be thinking as a disciple how should we be as a disciple so as we think about these things hopefully it will help us have a clear picture of what it means to be a disciple. So when we say at Crossroads that we are about making disciples, I hope you're asking the question, well, what does that mean? Because we do need to, we do need to be thinking about what does that mean and, and be having some picture in our mind of what do we want that to look like at the end. I think, honestly, that is why churches especially in our denomination, but across all denominations have struggled struggled for so many years as we 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 tell people, you know, let's make disciples, but we don't really explain what does that mean. And sometimes if we're not a disciple and we replicate ourselves, we're not even replicating disciples. So, dear friends, I've been challenged even reading through this, am I, dis- am I a disciple? What attitudes during the week will be proof or evidence that I'm a disciple? What things am I doing during the week will be proof or evidence that I'm a disciple? We'll talk about that next week. It's not just serving on church staff. That doesn't make me a disciple. Now, people outside of the world, and maybe even in our church culture, could look at me as one of the pastors and go, well, obviously he's a disciple. He's on church staff. That doesn't have anything to do with being a disciple. The requirements for me to be a disciple are primarily outside of the things that I, w- that I do serving on church staff. There are a lot of things that I do, and Joey and Heath and Kayla and our team, there are some things that we do on church staff that help us in becoming a disciple and attitudes that we have as we carry about ministry. But the vast majority of that, we have to do outside the walls of the church. Why? Because we go back to being harvest-focused, which is what Jesus called us to do. The fields are wide into harvest. The laborers are few. And the harvest is not in the church. If we're saved and we know Jesus in the church, the harvest is not in the church. The harvest is outside the church. We'll talk more about that next week because that's some of what God is calling us to do. So he says to this woman at the well, to go back to John 4 and kind of wrap up this story with what we see here, what he's saying to this woman at the well. He says to her, if you'll drink of this water, you'll never thirst 
again. And the woman says to him, sir, give me this water. I don't want to be thirsty. I don't want to keep coming all the way to this well to draw water. She's thinking there's this physical well somewhere. And so he says to her, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You really don't have a husband. I don't think he says that in a condemning way. He goes on, he says, you've actually you had five husbands and the, the guy that you're with right now is not your husband. So it's rightly said you don't have a husband. You, you have been honest. Truly, you, you've said the truth. And she says, oh my gosh, how'd you know? You know? In her mind, she's thinking, how did you know I had five husbands and the guy I'm with now is not my husband? She says, I, th- I think you're a prophet. Bingo. He's not a prophet, just a prophet. He's God. And she changes the conversation to talk about worship. Check it out, John chapter 4, verse 20. She starts talking about worship. And so Jesus follows her in her conversation, and he talks about worship a while. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship him in spirit and truth. And finally, the light starts clicking on, and she says, I know that the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he's going to declare these things to us. And Jesus says, I'm that guy. The person you're talking to is the Messiah. And here's what's very interesting. This is the point where I believe things change for her and she begins to receive and begins that journey of being a disciple. The disciples come, they marvel that he was speaking with this woman. And Jesus is so blown her away by saying, I'm he. Read verse 28 of chapter 4, John chapter 4. It says, the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. This this has to be the Christ, isn't it? And they went out of the city, and you read on down at, at the more into John chapter 4, and you get to verse 39. And a lot of people don't read or preach or teach on this chapter and get to verse 39. But when you get to verse 39, it says, From that city... Many of the Samaritans believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified to them and said, Come see the man who told me everything I've done. So this woman left her water pot, which was her original intention, which was to come and get physical water. She got the spiritual water. Forget the water, physical water pot. She leaves and goes and tells everybody that she knows Hey, I think I've met Jesus. I've met Jesus. He knew everything about me. And many in that city came to believe because of this woman receiving the living water, who is Jesus. So here's my question to you today as we wrap up. And I want you to be honest, not that you aren't honest. But are you like me? Is it hard for you to receive the goodness of God? Maybe you beat yourself up. Maybe you find it hard to forgive yourself. I think that was the case with this woman at the well. Five husbands and she's still, you know, it's the old uh, song, country song, looking for love in all the wrong places. And Jesus finally says, I'm the living water that you've been looking for. And thankfully, she received that living water and left the physical water pot and she went and told everybody, look what I... Look who I have met. Look who I, what I've received. Do you have trouble receiving? Maybe you need to receive forgiveness today as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus. Maybe you need to recognize and have the attitude that you're holy and blameless and beyond reproach and Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you. 
maybe you stumbled across this live stream uh, today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and maybe one of the reasons why it's been difficult is because you have a difficulty receiving. Maybe you're a great giver. Maybe you're a great volunteer, man. You show up and you give, 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 and you give the shirt off your back. But maybe Jesus wants you to have the attitude of just sitting back just for a minute and receiving the goodness of God because he's our heavenly father. I don't know what God may be speaking to your heart about today, but if you're a disciple, I know he wants you to have the attitude of receiving. Yeah, he wants you to have the attitude of dying to yourself. He wants you to have the attitude of fellowship and following after him. He wants you to have that attitude of investing in his kingdom. All those are great attitudes, yes, yes, yes. But he also wants you to have the attitude of receiving. So let me ask this question as we close today. What do you need to receive from the Lord? Is it forgiveness? Is it peace? Is it comfort? Is it strength? During this crazy time, is it hope? Whatever it is, Jesus stands ready to give that gift because he is the father of all perfect gifts. And ultimately, maybe you need to receive that free gift of salvation. I know it doesn't make sense that the God of the universe would send his only son to die on a cross and experience a cruel death and give his life for us. But that's the love of a father that I can't really explain, but I have come to accept because that is part of receiving the gift that God has for me and has for you. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you today that we can receive your goodness uh, because we don't deserve it. There's nothing that we could do to earn it. That's why it's a gift. That's why we can do nothing but receive. So today for friends that are watching, I pray if there is uh, something in their life that they need from you, that they would open their hands and Lord, that you through your sovereignty, if it's of your will, uh, that they would receive that peace, that hope, the joy maybe that the devil has stolen from them, that forgiveness, maybe uh, life abundant that they need today. So speak to their hearts and help them to be honest with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching today. Next week, we'll continue this uh, discussion about what it means to be a disciple. If you need someone to pray with you, or just encourage you, or you've got a prayer request of your own, would you text the number on your screen, text that word connect to that number on your screen, and one of our team would love to reach out to you and uh, share more with you. Have a great day.